everybody calm down calm down all right all right the 322nd meeting of the illuminati is hereby called into order all right uh let's let's see first of all covid committee excellent job with the second lockdown in britain i don't i don't think anyone saw that coming i think that's some some solid work uh let's see Mis mr secretary do we have any updates from the last meeting's minutes Oh, yes. Tentative plans to maintain the virus for another six months. We do have the cure standing by. Wish to reevaluate on January 1st. I like it. I like it. Let's let's make sure that um, our investments are going to be sound when we roll that when we roll that cure out. All right. We want the yes, we want the returns. Yes, Mr. Chairman. And oh, let's see. What about our subcommittee on the Middle East? Anything? Any updates? Uh, we're maintaining uh, violence and aggression, both uh, against the Israelis and Palestinians. Efforts to maintain that war another 2,000 years look successful at this point. Wish to reevaluate on January 1st. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we better schedule some extra time for January 1st. It looks like we're going to have a quite, a quite a busy meeting on our hand, but, you know, all in a, all in a day's work here at the... Uh, the Illuminati. What is next on the list? How are how are we doing? Where's the where's the climate change committee? Climate change, folks. What uh, what what are we heating up to in the next couple of years? Uh, yes. So uh, we're aiming for at least another degree in the next couple of years. Um, so so we're going to do one degree, but we want to leave just enough polarized caps that it can still be a, a pretty big debate. All right, yes, I see, That's that one's good, that one's good. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, I wish to be recognized. Uh, yes, the, the um, Illuminati officer from, uh, from Puerto Rico over there. How's it, what, what, what's on your mind? Mr. Chairman, the American election for president is in one day and we have not selected our winner or his cabinet. Oh, hold on, hold on. Was, was we did we not have a committee on the U.S. presidential election? I've been making sure the Dodgers win. I don't know. All right, all right. Well, I you did do good work with that caught stealing at home. That was a that was a that was some wonderful wonderful twist there. But I think we really should have prioritized the U.S. election over the World Series. So, all right. Here's here's what we'll do. We we need to we need to pick. The next president of the United States. Now we've already set up the mail-in voting. We've already set up a system that's it's going to be complicated to count. So we've got a, a little leeway here. But uh, I think we need to we need to get two of us, and let's just have each one pick a list for, for president. And you know what, everyone else, let's just knock everyone else who's going to be in power, and uh, everyone at the meeting. Will vote on which of the two lists they like. How does is everyone in agreement? Agreed. 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 All right. Well, yes. You know what? Let's just let's put Cameron and Paul on it. Let's let's make them do it. All right. Cool.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the election night special of What's on Draft, the podcast where we take a topic uh, from anything in the universe, going from books, movies, music, pop culture, and write a prompt on it, and then each of us draft a team so that you, the listener, can elect the team that did it the best. Uh, I am Paul, and I am here with my usual co-host, Cameron. We choose to record a podcast, not because it is easy, but because it is hard and we have plenty of free time. Yes. And uh, we are not joined tonight by our usual co-host or a guest, because in typical election fashion, we are giving you the two major parties and that's it to select (laughs) from. Oh, so Cameron results coming in tonight, probably not well known for the next couple of days. So while you've got uh, while you've got some time here, what is your prediction for what's going to happen tonight? Oh, it's going to be a barn burner. I think we're going to see record turnout, uh, at least another 10 or 12 million people voting versus 2016. I think everybody's aligned that Biden will win the popular vote which is just so interesting because I, I, I don't know if you can have three, three elections in 20 years that have a split electoral popular, but that's a, another issue. Um, but this election seems like it's a pure referendum on Trump. And I think whoever wins uh, is going to be able to walk away saying that uh, either the Donald Trump experiment was a success or it was a failure. Um, as far as my prediction, I think he is going uh, to retain Pennsylvania and Florida and North Carolina. And I don't think the Democrats have a true shot of flipping Texas or Georgia. However, I think Biden's inlay with white working class folks in the Midwest are going to give him back Wisconsin and Michigan. And I think he's going to, I think we're all surprised here that Arizona is in play and that he's actually going to take it. Uh, and so that it's going to end up being a 269-269 tie until... The folks in Omaha give Biden the second Nebraska district for one electoral vote, and the ending score is 270 to 268. Hail the chief. Joe Biden wins by two electoral votes. So we can call this election the the Cornhusker conundrum. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Though, in all fairness, uh, Trump is going to take the second Maine also, which he did last time around, too, who also splits there their votes so that's my prediction uh though i wouldn't be surprised if it actually is a a a landslide for biden i think i ran the math and it looked like if all swing states went to him he had like 410 versus if all swing states went to trump he had like 310 so obviously statistically everybody's talking that it looks like it should go biden but but you never know so what about you yeah, I think um, I guess I'm uh, my prediction will be a little more bullish for Biden than yours here. Uh, I think early in in the night, Trump wins Florida. Um, if you right, if you take some of the the deep cuts on the polling, and um, uh, I've listened to a couple podcasts with um, Steve Kornacki, the the pollster guy that's on. Um, MSNBC or CNN? I forget which network he's on, but he's um, he does a good deep dive into the polls. And Trump has, in especially the last couple of months, made a little bit of surprising headway with um, uh, the Black and Hispanic population, and particularly like Cuban males are breaking for Trump. 
And that's a big enough voting block. I think Trump wins Florida, but everything that Trump's making up in those categories, he's losing like threefold in women, basically. And so I think, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I, th I think he ends up, my prediction is, I'm, I'm with you on Arizona. I think Biden also picks up North Carolina and gets Michigan and Wisconsin back. I'm not sure on Pennsylvania. So yeah, Pennsylvania is tough. Yeah, it's right there in the margin of error right now. So I, my prediction is around 300 electoral college votes for Biden. And the big story is particularly how wide the gap is among women. That Biden, Biden mm -hmm. is just crushing Trump. Um, uh, among women. And so, well, you mentioned the Hispanic vote, especially in Florida for Cubans, traditional Republicans, and that he's mm -hmm. doing well with Cuban male. However, uh, a friend of mine, John, a friend of the pod, a listener of the pod, uh, pointed a fact out to me a couple of days ago that there are 400,000 Puerto Rican transplants due to the hurricane that now live in Southern Florida who were mm -hmm. not there during the 2016 election. So, if those Puerto Ricans are registered to vote, which of course they can be as Americans, uh, they might also um, play mm -hmm. an integral part in this cycle versus last year. So yep. should be interesting. Uh, I think the weirdest thing is that we're probably not going to have an official winner for like three or four days and then probably three or four months of complaining by whoever loses. You know, oh, yeah. Ex uh, expect some uh, expect some court cases that are going to make the uh, the hanging chads look quaint. Yep, yep. In, it's uh, all going to be about those those mail ballot, those mail in ballots, yeah. and which ones are uh, good, and which ones are not. But I I really feel much more confident about my picks for who should be president in a fictional world and who should be on that president's cabinet. I think that's going to be the real landslide uh, of tonight. Yo. So yeah. So listeners, tonight what we are doing is we are drafting fictional characters. Uh, I think we're primarily going to be focusing on movie characters and put them into the position first with the president. And then we're just going to go down the line of secession and pick a bunch of cabinet members, all with fictional characters. Our one stipulation is that the president who we pick must have been the president um, from the uh, from the film that we are selecting. So we're drafting someone who's played a fictional president. Then for all of the other cabinet picks, um, you know, try as we as we might, we could not locate many fictional uh, secretaries of health and human services. So we are opening those positions up to any tough. any fictional character. It was tough. Uh, yes. And just as a side note, Paul, I had planned to skip uh, President Pro Tempore and Speaker of the House since they're from a different uh, branch of the government. Did yes. you select Speaker of the House or uh, I, the, uh... I did not, no. Okay, I'm going good. Just, just executive branch. Perfect. So president, vice president, and then on to the secretaries. Yeah. Okay, great. Then we're, we are aligned. We didn't pick order here. Well, I think, Paul, I've never occupied the role of president in any capacity. Uh, I think you have, right? I, I have been. I was uh, president... Um, president of the the band association in uh in high school well as a as a mere layman i submit to you mr president the first pick all right uh so we are um taking our president first and um 
you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of rankings of fictional presidents out there, and so this is this is one where I was able to um, look at a decent amount of lists, and of course, um, some of the uh, some of the ones um, uh, you're going to have up top: James Marshall, who we've mentioned before from Air Force One. Uh, you always see near the top of the list a lot of presidents uh, written by Aaron Sorkin in a lot of different mediums, uh, many of which are TV, right? So we're sort of uh, sort of excluding those. Um, so I, uh, in selecting my president, I avoided some of those picks that I see at the top of the list because a lot of those picks were something like, well, there was a terrorist attack and this president did a good job of literally fighting off the terrorists, like physically fighting them, right? So I aimed for something that was more, I wanted someone who was tested in a crisis, but um, the crisis was one that involved actually working with the in, within the institution of the presidency, right? So marshalling government services and things like that. So for my pick here, I am gonna be taking uh, President Tom Beck, as played by Morgan Freeman in the movie Deep Impact. So dealing with a potentially uh, catastrophic extinction level event um, as the asteroid is coming to Earth, he's simultaneously working with um, to, to sort of gear up for the recovery within the United States, but also working with uh, foreign leaders both to try to prevent the asteroid from hitting in the first place. In that case, they were attempting to use nuclear weapons to sort of blow it out of the sky, um, but also to prepare for the uh, uh, potential of the hit actually occurring. And so he was um, sort of rattling off a lot and in typical Morgan Freeman fashion um, was able to give uh, some very good speeches and, and sort of comforting sounding speeches and things like that. So that's why I'm going with President Tom Beck. Yeah, good pick. I saw him on a lot of lists as well. What's interesting about Deep Impact is that I remember it was a big kind of thing when people were like, hey, there's this movie, Deep Impact, everybody excited about it. Uh, and the president is black, which, mm -hmm. you know, for the 90s was still such a foreign uh, idea. It's still a foreign idea, to be honest, all the way up through the, the 2000s until Barack Obama was the nominee. But uh, mm -hmm. Morgan Freeman and Deep Impact, great role, great president in that movie. So can't really argue with that. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a good pick. Little little confusing because Morgan Freeman is in a lot of leadership roles <laughs> in movies. Yes. I saw that list, I think maybe or a similar list, and they talked about what else has this actor done close to the presidency. <laughs> He's a couple of secretaries in some uh -huh. movies, um, I believe. Uh, he was so, the, um, yeah, acting president in uh, Olympus has fallen. Yeah, good, good pick, good pick. All right. Well, how about you? Who's your who's your uh, president? Well, you know, old Tom Beck. Yeah, he's good uh, during a crisis like an asteroid coming in. But that's not that's not really what's probably threatening us right now. What what's really threatening people right now, Paul? Jobs. People need jobs. Okay, so I'm tapping into a, a president here whose main goal was to get Americans working, to make sure that an American who wants to work can find work. So I'm taking a little bit of an odd pick here. I'm going with two people, if you know what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about Bill Mitchell slash Dave 
from the Kevin Klein movie, Dave. So if you haven't seen Dave, it is a cute, heartwarming story about a president and a president lookalike. And the real president dies. And so they hire the lookalike to become the president. And he's got such like a honest approach to being the president that he he's kind of championing the right things that he should be and not being caught up in all the politics, which I'm sure most Americans are tired of. Uh, so to have Dave in there, not Bill Mitchell, but Dave illegally being the president as Bill Mitchell, um, that's who I think uh, would be a, a great president. Have you seen Dave? I, I have seen Dave. So to be clear, your your pick here is you're technically your pick is Dave, right? So you're not going to, your pick is not starting with Bill Mitchell. Nope, <laughs> moving nope, my, to pick Dave. Is, my pick is Dave. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen Dave. It's, it's uh, been a little while, but um, uh, enjoyable, definitely an enjoyable movie, you know, uh, solid guys, especially so long as uh, no one sort of discovers what's, what's going on <laughs> in this situation, but. Um, you know what? That's not factored into the analysis here. So you get, right. to, you get to roll with Dave. That's right. All right. Well, let's move on to vice president. Yeah. All right. Vice president. What is a vice president? You know what it is? It's somebody you can rely on. It's somebody you can call on to, to fight your battles, do some of your dirty work, get in there, be a cheerleader, be a champion, but watch your six at the same time. So when I was looking for a vice president, I was looking for a best friend. And who's the bestest friend in film? Uh, a dog? No, you are incorrect. I am not. I am not. Thought you were go- thought you were going with Hooch. <laughs> okay, the best friend in film is Samwise Gamgee mm-hmm. from the Lord of the Rings series. Samwise Gamgee is a perfect vice president. He's gonna have your back. He's gonna fight your battles. You can always count on him, which is what you need in a vice president. You can't have a vice president who's kind of thinking about his own thing or her own thing. Uh, you need somebody who's going to be, you can count on them, you know, seven days of the week. So Samwise Ganji is my vice president. Now, if Samwise has to come in and break a tie in the Senate, you think he's going to, is he going to be able to handle the responsibility or is he going to, he going to freeze up? I think Samwise is a pretty accurate uh, character for a vice president he's going to look to the president and say which way do we want to go on this and then you know which way do we want to go mr baggins and 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 you know they'll tell him he'll dave will tell him hey pass that jobs bill and sam <laughs> will go in there and say if it's the right thing to do well then by golly you know i'm gonna do it yeah yeah i can i can see that uh, definitely uh definitely has the loyalty down Mm-hmm. Um, you know, helps you get that important voting block in the Shire. Got to, got to round up the. How many electoral college votes does the Shire get? Uh, I think they get six, but they do go by by village, by district. So uh, you know, they follow Maine and Nebraska that way. So it makes it a little wonky. Yeah, you, know? you gotta you gotta consolidate the Shire vote. <laughs> yeah, the tough thing is that uh, in the Shire, eligible voting age is eighteen, like for humans, but those. Those hobbits, especially some of the the Bilbo's, the Baggins, they live quite a long time. So there's mm-hmm. a, quite an old demographic over there. So is that like the equivalent of us letting like four year olds vote? Yeah, essentially. Year old essentially. Yeah. I mean, you got you got Mary and Pippin over here voting for whoever's like bringing the most weed, <laughs> which to be honest is just like what you you appeal to for like eighteen to twenty four year olds. So yeah, I guess you yeah. Yes. All right, who do you got? 
All right. So for my vice president, I um, right. I think the qualities of a good vice president uh, show up a lot on the campaign trail, primarily. So um, can shore up a, a decent metropolitan area and is good at fundraising. And then the other thing is the vice president um, doesn't have a very active day to day role. So like you said, just sort of supports the president, but should be spending their time getting ready, right? Preparing. So in case something happens to the president, you know, maybe uh, maybe President Beck is struck by a, a stray fragment of the asteroid here and, and knocked out. You got to be ready to step in. And so I'm going with someone who has financial success, has um, uh, comes from a, a big metropolitan area, but also is well known for his intense degree of planning and pre-planning. And so for my vice president, I am taking Bruce Wayne. I, I, I don't know about this. Uh, number one, a lot of coming from a lot of money. Okay. So mm -hmm. with a lot of money comes a lot of scandal. Um, he is also a vigilante. <laughs> so, um, Hey, vice uh, presidency leaves a lot of time open for, <laughs> for vigilante work. So we're not losing Batman. Also, he's a little soft-spoken, right? Isn't he more a man of action than a man of words? And these are, except for maybe some of the, the more uh, department heads, the vice president's kind of a more of a man of words. He's out there communicating. Is Bruce going to be able to go out there and, and communicate when he doesn't even attend board meetings? Well, Bruce, right, Bruce has the public persona where he likes to go out and, and schmooze it up a little bit. With models. Uh, but Yes. Um, and, you know, we need more of that in the executive <laughs> branch. But no, I think, again, it's his attention to detail that's going to be his biggest asset, right? So uh, Bruce, right, famously um, is constantly gathering information. Um, there's a whole storyline where um, somebody ends up breaking into, like a villain breaks into the Batcave, and it turns out that Bruce has an extensive dossier on everyone in the justice league and how to defeat them. And the villain like takes that and is, is using it, but you know, they go to Batman and they're like, we're all your friends. Why would you do that? And he's like, I, you know, I trust you now. I don't know if I'm uh, uh, it, what's going to happen in the future. We live in a world where people can get possessed or whatever or change. So I'm going to prepare for literally every inevitability at all times and Batman's kind of preparation for things has almost become a meme online because of the extent he does it in, in some of the comics. And so I imagine that if at any moment Beck says, you know, the new hot button issue is, you know, what what regulations are we passing on uh, waterways in the upper northwest? And Bruce is going to say, hey, I got a file on it. Here you go. OK, OK. I feel like he'd probably do a little bit better, like maybe like chief of staff or something or, you know, <laughs> something like that. But uh, vice president. OK, so a little conniving. We'll see if he uh, can carry the ticket in eight years. So. All right. So that that takes us to our, our secretary of state. And I have so I have several options that I like here for secretary of state. Uh, I was looking for. Someone who is is well traveled has a good understanding of other cultures, and uh, someone with a, an academic background, I think, is a is a good choice for Secretary of State. So, uh, I'm gonna go with someone who I think uh, has that background, has some language skills, has a 
a deep knowledge of, of world history. Um, my hope is that some of his escapades in other countries don't come back to, to be a little scandalous in the administration, but I am going to take Indiana Jones as my secretary of state. Okay. Okay. Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. Yeah, definitely cultured. He's got a good academic background, so he's not going to be walking into meetings, not understanding the people he's talking to. So I think that's a, that's a good win. Um, bit of a bookworm though, right? Uh, he's an archeologist, so not quite a people person, right? He's, he's comfortable with old bones, right? And old maps. So I'm not sure how well he's going to do because we, we know secretary of state, right? That's the, that's the premier uh, secretary in the cabinet. That's the person who, who has the most power, is involved with a lot of the foreign affairs. Uh, I don't know if, if Indy is the guy uh, who's going to be able to kind of schmooze and, uh, you know, play hardball with uh, foreign ministers, foreign, you know, uh, national leaders. I don't know. Hey, I think you, you put him in a room with someone and he tells him about the time that uh, that he he punched a few Nazis, and he's going to win always, anyone over. That's true. That'll always uh, that'll always get people on your side. This guy fought Nazis. <laughs> Man. All right, no, that's fair. All right, well, um, you're taking a Secretary of State, a popular character um, from a popular franchise. I'm going to take a character from a popular franchise as well. Um, in fact, I'm going to take a character that has co-starred with your Secretary of State. So we got some, we got a real dueling here with Secretary of State. I'm taking Princess and General Leia Organa, Leia Solo. So I'm taking the the Princess Leia here for my Secretary of State, a diplomat first and foremost. Mm. Um, so obviously, pre-Galactic Civil War, a leader among the uh, rebellion uh, and a diplomat, and then later a wartime leader, a general, uh, and a senator after the uh, Galactic Civil War. So she's occupied almost every role in government um, or civil service and has led people in each of those roles. Uh, So she seems just like a perfect candidate for Secretary of State uh, and dealing with both peacetime and wartime, which I think is tough to find for fictional characters because we're in a finite setting of one movie. But I think Leia Organa uh, is that perfect pick. Yeah, we almost had dueling Star Wars picks here because I had uh, Mon Mothma on my list. Ooh, Um, Mon Mothma's good. Also good, but um, depending on how you slice it, a lot of the... Mon Mothma history is technically not canon anymore. Right. So a lot of her diplomatic um, work mm-hmm. is uh, was wiped out with the the purchase of Star Wars by Disney, and so that mm-hmm. sort of that sort of swayed me into the into the indie category. But yeah, Leia is super solid pick. Cannot go wrong with Princess Leia. All right, moving on, Secretary of the Treasury. Which, uh, interesting, Paul, I'm sure you knew this, right? But the, the order of succession is based on the creation of the office. So, like, Homeland Security is at the bottom, even though it's prob- <laughs> probably the most important once your leadership gets taken out. Uh, but it's behind, uh, you know, I, labor and, and urban development or whatever. Yeah, I guess you could argue that if, say, there's some sort of event that takes out five or six people at the top of the order, maybe you want your secretary of Homeland security to have 
continuity in the role and just keep Homeland Security moving along while whoever's the new president okay. has to figure out the like presidency role. That makes sense. That makes sense. I don't think like a lot of things in the bureaucracy or the, or the government, the, the constitutional government of the United States, I don't think a lot of it makes too much sense now, but good spin <laughs> on it there. Good spin. Um, okay, Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, this is going to be my oldest pick, not oldest as in the oldest character, but the the film is the oldest film. Gotcha. I want somebody, we we're talking about Treasury, right? A lot of Americans are... Uh, very skeptical about what's going on with their money and with uh, the money of the nation. And so I want an honest man in that role, uh, somebody who can talk straight to us and break it down and then treat us like good, honest people and, 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 and make sure that uh, taking our well-being into account. So I'm going with a classic, a Frank Capra classic. I'm going with George Bailey, who, of course, was the president of Bailey Building and Loan, career banker an honest, good man, uh, the richest man in the whole town. You know, um, no man is a failure who has friends. And George Bailey is our friend. Was on my list. He was not, not at the, I, when I jotted down my ideas for treasurer, he didn't end up at the top, but I definitely, uh, definitely gave it some consideration. Uh, as a plus, right? He's uh, famously good at explaining uh, monetary policy to people. So he has the scene where he just basically explains how how the bank works to all of right. the angry townspeople. It's so. like I don't have all the money right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not it's in your it's in your roof, buddy. It's over there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, yeah, honest, uh honest um to maybe to a fault, right? Is he gonna um well, yeah, but to be honest, I mean, you don't want a you don't want a too, too shifty Secretary of the Treasury. You know, you could get away with some shifty guys in other roles. But I think on this one, I mean, you got to be on the up and up. You oh, just just wait till you see who oh. I've got queued up. Oh, Lord, oh God, I swear, if you do Gordon Gecko, I think I've won this. I think I've won this outright. Uh, well, so uh, I initially. I initially was um, leaning actually non-human for this one. No, so my okay. my top of my list was uh, initially Scrooge McDuck was who I was thinking. Okay, no, that's a good um, one. But then I I don't know I I I went this way partially for the comedic element of it. But I once I thought of it, I thought this was off the wall enough that I had to include it on my list. So I'm. Uh, I'm curious to see if you'll recognize the name outright. I know you're I know you're familiar with the character, but uh, I'm gonna take Billy Ray Valentine. Oh, the, okay, yes, yes, Billy Ray. Yeah, looking good, Billy Ray. Billy right, Lewis. Yep. <laughs> so from from Trading Places, uh, Billy Ray, the the street smart street smart uh, guy that the rich sort of investors end up swapping into um, into place uh, into their large investment firm and then attempting to uh, sort of get rich. And then they flip the tables by shorting frozen orange juice futures after planting some uh, some bad evidence. And so um, I, I, you know, I like the, uh, I like Billy Ray's street smarts. I like his, um, obviously has a good understanding of the financial system that he's able to successfully 
pull off the scheme that um, uh, after the popularity of the movie actually got some attention in Congress about <laughs> regulating uh, insider trading <laughs> kind of things. But, you know, I think he's going to have a, you know, he, he might, uh, if he sees a bad financial forecast coming and he doesn't want the, the stock market to take a hit, I, you know, I don't think he's going to, he's not going to do anything illegal, but I think he's going to be able to to sort of make the pitch and smooth over what's happening in a way that he can uh, kind of handle a rough situation like that. Yeah, this is a good pick. Uh, so Paul, my alternate for George Bailey is Lewis Winthorpe the third. So I picked Dan Aykroyd's character from the movie uh, that, that ended up working mm-hmm. with, uh, with him at the end. So uh, good, good pick. Uh, very interesting. Don't think he's got a lot of contextual experience, <laughs> mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, he doesn't have a lot of like, like concept based experience. He just has his kind of gut and his know how of how things are are to work. Yeah. And what, what was the thing he kind of quoted on him? Uh, the, oh yeah, uh, something about you know it's Christmas, so they're gonna be buying this, and uh, I forget yeah. what it was, but something. But so he kind of has that kind of knowledge so but fun pick good pick um yeah i went back and forth with winthrop and and uh billy ray uh, once yeah. i thought of trading places but um you know i just i i, I figure he can he can get the the ropes kind of down um and so i like his i like his instincts yeah no that's good 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 pick these are good i think we're on the same page here uh we're having some uh, some similar picks so Take us to number five, Secretary of Defense. All right. Um, so this is one that when I was making my initial list, I, I wrote down someone and then remembered we had decided to focus a little bit on movies just to narrow the field down. So I had to scratch off. Uh, I was initially going to take uh, Captain Jonathan Archer here for, for Secretary of Defense based on his his expertise as an early explorer and then role in creating Starfleet and ultimately running Starfleet, I thought would put him very well in like a high value defense position. But uh, based on um, our sort of aim to go for movies here, I'm going to switch off of that. And I am going to draft someone who, unlike uh, my other characters, uh, aside from Beck, has actually been um, a, a government worker in all of his roles on uh, movies and TV. And I'm going to take Jack Ryan now, for Secretary of Defense. Which Jack Ryan are we taking here? Uh, well, I, you know, I could, I could just double up. Because well, these are uh, all very different Jack Ryans. Yes. Yeah. That is, I, you know, I think for defense, I, I, might, I might lean Alec Baldwin, Jack Ryan here. Uh, so, um, Alec Baldwin, right, instrumental in um, uh, the, the Cold War and uh, very familiar with Russia um, in particular, whereas I think especially some of the more modern Jack Ryans um, deal a lot with Middle East, the Middle East plot lines and things like that. And so, given the geopolitical importance of Russia at the moment, I think Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan makes some sense here so if i'm if i'm gonna specify i'll go i'll go alec baldwin okay oh that's good good movies except for the ben affleck one yeah that one that one wasn't great and i haven't seen the chris pine one 
I don't know. Have you seen that one? I've watched it and it was very forgettable. Like I, it was, it was very generic. I'm having trouble remembering yeah. anything kind of specifically about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Red October. Great movie. Clear and present danger. Close second for me. That one. I, mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. And then Patriots game. Patriot games is pretty good too. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, you, I just don't think legally you can have two Harrison Fords. Yes. <laughs> <having> <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I did give some consideration to that too. So, so, yeah. So I will not double the Harrisons here and, uh, yeah. Valley. All right. So you're up okay. then for secretary of defense. All right. This one's tough. This is the, I have four picks for this one. Uh, and I was really hoping you would steal one so I could whittle it down a little bit, <laughs> but you did not. So I have to say this one I saw this was one uh, surprisingly there was a lot of lists of people who had done something similar to this I didn't think there would be any but some people had put together some lists and there was someone who popped up close to the top for defense a lot that I have a strong disagreement with but I'll save that for after you make your pick okay okay I want to pick one, but I got to go with my my gut here. I think one's a better pick, but I'm I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm taking Admiral Bill Adama from Battlestar Galactica. I don't think any character embodies the respectable, responsible, and smart military leader like Bill Adama does in that series. Um, so I trust him uh, with our military, and since he'll be our Secretary of Defense. Yeah. Plus, you and Holly have now both drafted Adama in in different drafts. So. Hey, hey, that's I knew she was the one. I knew she was the one. So yeah, yeah, I, I mean, solid pick. Uh, has dealt obviously with uh, with a large crisis situation in a military leadership role. So he's going to be he's going to be um, ready to handle anything that's happening on the on a global scale here. Uh, yes, and the. So the one that I saw listed a lot as like fictional secretary of defense. Yeah. Yeah. Who was was uh, Tony Stark came up a lot. I, I thought, but I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, but in a comic, he's somebody in the cabinet at some point, it might've been secretary of defense. That's it, what it was. Potentially. Yeah. But it, so, because I was doing research before we allowed you to do anybody and I was trying to find secretaries of defense <laughs> yeah. and Tony Stark in a, in the comic was a sec was the secretary of defense. So I'm assuming that's why they picked him. Yes. And um, I think also like a lot of it pointed to in the MCU, the fact that he was like involved in um Involved in sort of coming up with the protocols and all that, but also the creation of Ultron, which was his sort of planetary defense plan. Right? Oh, okay. Like he's building Ultron because he sees the need. And I think people just thought, oh, yeah, defense. You know, he's, yeah. he's planning for defense. That makes sense. But I think the Ultron um, experiment sort of proves why he's a bad pick for Secretary of Defense because he's willing to go, like he's willing to go to such an extreme that he creates a dangerous system that did not have a good failsafe um, built yes. into it because he was so afraid of the of the Chitari invasion. And so um, I don't think those instincts are what you, you know, I think he would be a very aggressive Secretary of Defense. And that is not what I am aiming for uh, here. I want someone a little more, a little more prudent. So yeah, I, I disagreed with that pick. No, I, that, what, who else did they have? Anybody good? I don't remember other, a lot of it was like people who were just good at fighting 
in something yeah you know and so it was like oh well, this guy is is a is a karate right. master, so yeah, he no, should be no. yeah, yeah i was yeah not into that kind of stuff so okay all right attorney general right our only non-secretary here attorney general right so when we talk about attorney general what are we talking about a lawyer talking mm-hmm. about a lawyer um so plethora of lawyer movies out there of courtroom movies so uh kind of have your pick of the litter here i considered i got three written down here uh i really think i should go with one here but no again i'm going with my gut so i'm going with vincent gambini from my cousin Vinny. no better litigator in the world than uh joe pesci is vincent gambini Vinny gambini uh great movie a a funny movie i mean a, just a top to bottom quality film if you haven't seen my cousin Vinny and you want a 90s courtroom comedy with a great marissa tomei uh this is the movie to watch but vincent gambini from my cousin Vinny. absolutely yes i i mean i think you're right you gotta go with a lawyer and there's a lot of big names um up there for fictional lawyers i actually did not think of Vinny, but it's a it's a solid choice i yeah i agree well he doesn't uh, he doesn't you know appeal too much to the youths that much um mm-hmm. the youths but uh but a uh, little inside joke there from the movie <laughs> um but uh yeah my cousin Vinny, one of my one of my favorite movies i, I haven't got holly to watch it yet uh, I'm hoping it's not too dated. You know, some of these great movies from the '90s uh, end up being a little dated. But I think this one's a winner. Uh, I think Marissa Tomei won the Oscar, if I'm not mistaken, for her role as the 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 Bronx the Bronx girlfriend, uh, the real Italian kind of. Uh, yeah, that sounds. I don't remember specifically, but that sounds right that she won for it. Yeah. So. That's my attorney general. I think in you know we're going to we're going to be able to deal with those legal issues with old Vinny G um, handling them. So, Paul, did you have a uh, AG ready to go? I did this. Yes, I did have an AG, uh, and I. So there's one name that pops up a lot for this one too, that I think is a is a solid and very obvious choice. Um, but I think I'm going to go, I'm going to, so the one that I saw a lot was Atticus Finch was up at the top. One of my favorite characters. Um, so I think it's a solid choice, but I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. Um, but still hitting on a lot of the same elements. So my attorney general is going to be juror number eight. Oh, 12 angry men. He has no law experience. He is not, uh, he is not a member of the bar in any state. Uh, but uh, pause making him attorney general because right. he's an honest man who knows how to get a kid off of a murder charge. That's right. Well, look, uh, the you know, the whole premise in the movie is uh, that there is a, a rush to um, uh, sort of judgment and especially heavily favoring incarceration, which is something I think we see a lot in um, a lot in the United States and even in um, right. This is something I, I sort of think and read about a lot, which is that when you're talking about criminal justice reform, um, a lot of times it's even with people who are generally favorable to criminal justice reform, right? So like you point out that there's inequalities in the system and they say, okay, 
this this white person got off like could, did some sort of crime, got off really easy. A, a black person in this situation would never get that same sentence, right? That like light sentence. And there's a lot of people who will agree on that point. But then there's a, there's a big subsection of those people that say, well, the solution to that is to make sure that the white criminals get the same punishment, like the same really big punishment. And I would rather move the other direction and say, you know, lean more towards a criminal justice system that is based more on rehabilitation and not um, overly long sentences and, and that kind of stuff. And so uh, juror number eight uh, was able to bring a room of, of very convinced people around to that sort of side of the argument. And so um, I want him out there doing that kind of work as my attorney general. And specifically when it comes to making decisions on things like commutations that the attorney general does a lot. Again, I, I like his, his instincts and that kind of stuff. And so I'm going with juror number eight here. Yeah, good, good pick. Juror number eight, Henry Fonda. Great movie. Well, I'm assuming from the from the 1956 version yes, of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good movie. So I'm I'm assuming based on your your approach here to criminal justice, you won't be holding many rallies shouting "lock them up" uh, as your one and only point to solve uh, uh, crime in in the country. So, yeah, Pre President President Beck not going to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be. Uh... Not, the, not the president of law and order. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Okay. All right. Generate. No, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I can watch that one any, any day, a limited storytelling at its finest. Um, and it's always a great character piece. All the great jurors. There's a lot of good ones. Obviously juror eight is the, the leader, but uh, it would be interesting if we had to like draft those jurors for something. I don't know, something like that. There's yeah. a lot of great great characters in there. So that's a, that's a good one. I like it. Good, good attorney general. I had a couple, I don't want to stay too much time on it, but I had Lieutenant Caffey from a few good men. I thought he's a great litigator, you know, you can get Jack Nicholas to, to Jack Nicholson, not Jack Nicholas, not the golfer. <laughs> he got Jack Nicholson to confess on the stand. So that was one. And then I also considered Joe Miller from Philadelphia, Denzel Washington's character. Uh, both also very good lawyers, but plenty of lawyer movies out there. Interesting that you didn't choose a lawyer. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any hang up getting this guy confirmed? Wait, our secretaries confirmed? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is there any hang up getting this guy confirmed? I believe in the film he mentioned he's an architect. Well, you know, um, he's gonna, that's just a bonus in my book. He's gonna, he's gonna have some strong opinions um, uh, on, on the downtown renovations in DC, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Now I know uh, I told Paul at the beginning of this draft that I had gotten all the way down to health and human services. So we're moving at a pretty good pace here since we, uh, we dropped, <laughs> we dropped Michael for this one. Uh, so Paul, I'm ready to go. Uh, if you want to keep going. Yeah, I I'll keep going. I am. If, not... if it helps you, I can go first. You can throw me the pick and I'll, I'll go. It's first. All right. I'll, I'll go for, for this one. I'm, I'm okay. working. Uh, I'm working to make some decisions. So I prepared through attorney general and okay. I'm now going to, I'm now going to try to improvise a little bit here. And so 
I am, I'm just read. I, I think I've got a pick for this one. I'm just okay. reading a quick summary to make sure there's not something obviously that I'm, that so I'm missing. This one was the toughest one uh, for me. So next up is secretary of the interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a tough one for me. I did have a pick, but it was a television pick. And since we decided to go full movie, I had to quickly do some rearranging, but I found one while I think we were a couple picks back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we were going TV show, I think, right. You just pull from uh, parks and rec here or something. Yep. Bingo. And, yeah. 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 Um, that one is, is obvious. So I think for this one, yeah, I think it's all right. So I've got my pick here and for department of interior, right. I'm thinking, someone who's come up from politics at the local level has a good understanding local politics and a good focus on kind of domestic policy rights so here we're looking at someone who's good on uh, good on jobs and good on sort of development projects and things like that and so i am going to go with mayor goldie wilson from Back to the Future. So a small character in Back to the Future. Um, when we first meet Goldie Wilson, he is a is a bus boy in the diner. And, you know, he's, he's sort of, while the, all, all this activity is going on around him, um, at some point he says, you know, someday I'm going to, I'm going to be somebody. And uh, someone makes a suggestion of being mayor. And he says, mayor, now that's a good idea. Mayor. Um, yeah. yeah. And being in the, uh, being in the, uh, this is taking place in, um, when they're in the past. Um, uh, and he is um, a, a black man, right? There's some comments about like, oh, well, we'll never have a colored mayor. Yep. Right? And then when they go to the future, now all of a sudden you see all these signs that say reelect Mayor Goldie Wilson. So his slogan for his reelection campaign is honesty, decency, and integrity. So I like that for my, my cabinet, but right, particularly, um, he ends up getting onto the city council and then working his way up until eventually he is elected mayor of Hill Valley. And so um, I, I, again, I like the mayor of, of sort of a decent sized city um, who, who sort of worked his way up to that position for interior here. So uh, I'm going with Goldie Wilson. Interesting pick. I can tell you picked it in the recent minutes before interesting it's a tough pick to make secretary of the interior um so you do have to do somebody preferably in 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 local or state government to kind of maintain the domestic issues that the interior faces um and i think he one of his things that i was just quickly googling was that he touted you know more public works which could be a Mm -hmm. function of the interior so um yeah interesting pick goldie wilson did not know his name uh so i didn't know if this was some I don't know. I just immediately was thinking of Goldie Hawn. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, so. I I don't uh, I don't think I knew his name before three minutes ago. But uh, how did you how did you stumble upon him? I was curious. looking at a list of fictional mayors, okay. and 
Okay. Most fictional mayors are the uh, antagonists of their films. That's <laughs> so, true. Right. It's like, all right, well, I'm not going to do, you know, the, the mayor from Jaws is not going to be a good option. <laughs> it's like, open it up, open it up. Let the kids yeah. swim. <laughs> yeah, no, he would definitely, he would be, uh, uh, you know, a guy out there right now being like, masks, we don't need masks. Just <laughs> get the parks open. <laughs> so yeah no this guy decency integrity so yeah 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 he's uh, he's doing it so okay uh interior for me so secretary of the interior what are those secretaries you don't really know what it really means until you actually like look it up you know in high school or something um but just to read a quick summary is right responsible for the management and conservation of most federal land and natural resources Overseas Bureau of Land Management, Geological Survey, and the National Park Service. So I wanted somebody who's very focused on maintaining uh, America's rich natural history, um, agricultural to a degree, but really just forest and 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 rivers and 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 you know the Park Service and things like that. And so I'm going with a non-human pick. Paul, I'm going with a non-human pick, which sounds weird, but I'm going with Dr. Seuss's The Lorax, right? A character whose main purpose is to, you know, talk to the trees and understand the environment uh, to make sure that we don't abuse it uh, and lose it. So I don't think when it comes to the interior and protecting America's natural land and resources, uh, there's anybody better than the Lorax. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, right, uh, designed to be the um oh, i can't think of the word but like the embodiment of that type of role and so uh makes makes a lot of sense okay uh moving on here next up secretary of agriculture so this one i am pretty pl- proud of pretty proud of this one uh only have one no backup so i'm glad i'm going first but what are we looking for here? I'm looking for a farmer, an honest man doing an honest day's work that understands what farming is about. What else do I like? Baseball. So I'm going with none other than Ray Kinsella, the main character from Field of Dreams. He's from Iowa. He is a corn farmer. This guy knows that if you maintain the farms, people will come. So I'm taking Kevin Costner's Ray Kinsella. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a that's a super solid pick. I um I'm I'm uh, currently trying to think of all the fictional farmers that I know of, and I had not gotten to Field of Dreams, but I like it. Um, uh, not only right um, ha- has the understanding of agriculture, but um, you know, b- building it, uh, building something up, a big construction project. He's he's not just your you know a small town farmer. I think a lot of fictional farmers you see are, you know, just uh, they run a small farm and, you know, maybe the plot of the movie is that the big mega farms run an amount of business or they have a bad crop and they got to figure out what to do or something like that. But yep. um, yeah, good, like good with um, good with uh, a big, a big public works project essentially. In, yeah, in exactly. Project. This so, guy can okay. get it done on a, on a grand scale, on a national scale. And who knows if at some point, you know, per- president Dave says, Hey, I have a new baseball, baseball initiative. I want baseball parks all over the country. Uh, this is the guy to, to do it. So 
Uh, he, he can do a couple of different things and, uh, and maybe he can even, uh, you know, go to heaven. Let us know what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know, uh, they're shrinking minor league baseball. So he could step in and say, you know what? I'm not putting up with this. I need I gotta, more minor league baseball franchises. <laughs> I got a lot of talent in this cornfield that I need to put places. So I'm I'm gonna go a, a little off the wall with this one here, as I probably will be for many of my picks moving forward. Uh, I'm gonna go with an animal for this one. Um, an animal who is, is this legal? <laughs> I mean, if you can take the Lorax. <laughs> I think an animal can make it onto the cabinet. Um, an animal who uh, is familiar with the farm, being a farm animal, but also familiar <laughs> with running a farm, <laughs> and uh, did a did a good job running a farm until some of the other animals uh, mucked the system up um, for the worse. Uh, I'm gonna take Snowball from Animal Farm as my uh, my uh, secretary of the agriculture here. So Snowball um, writes the original seven commandments that they live by on the farm until uh, the the more conniving pig Napoleon steps in and starts to um, starts to change the rules a little bit. Right. So under Snowball's original um, original uh, uh, sort of governance system here for the farm. He has things running well. He has things working for everyone. Um, Snowball, as a metaphor for Leon Trotsky, um, standing up to the the Stalin that is Napoleon the pig, right, has, um, has these ideals that work well until he just sort of loses political power. But in this case, Assuming you do not draft uh, Napoleon the pig for any of your picks to work against him, Snowball gets to come in and implement that system that was working um, uh, into farms across the United States. Okay. Well, Paul, I thought it was a concern that you were putting up an attorney general who would not provide his name, <laughs> but merely his juror number. But uh, I stand corrected. You are, you're not only putting up an animal in, in, in a pig, a named pig, a talking pig at that, but a communist pig at that who's going to have a hard time probably getting approved. Any concern with the American public being disgruntled about Snowball enacting, you know, new model worker programs, a central committee, <laughs> uh, and a pure division of... Uh, of labor and uh, property in order to get these farms uh, plowed. Any concern about really, really uh, shooting the rest of your initiatives in the foot? Hey, you know, if there's one area of public policy where we, we really have a, a pretty socialist bent in the United States, it's farming policy with uh, the amount of farm subsidies we're giving out. So Snowball Smart, he's just going to say, hey, you don't have to do it, but if you want the farm subsidy, there's a writer in the bill that says <laughs> <laughs> you got to enact these policies. Okay, I got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, you've lost most of the Midwest, <laughs> but uh, but uh, interesting pick. I like it. I like it. Uh, good callback. Always good to talk about anything George Orwell does. So uh, Animal Farm, great, great book. Uh, really interesting stuff. So snowball the commie in the cabinet so next up here number nine secretary of commerce yeah 
do you, do you have, why don't you go with your commerce pick? All right. I'm going to go with my commerce pick. I'm going with one of my, my favorite movies. I think it's originally a play. Uh, if you've seen it, it's got an all-star cast, but I'm going with the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and I'm going with the character, the character Richard Roma, Richard Roma, who was played by Al Pacino. Now he was the best salesman on the team. He was the one that was locking down all the sales. So Richard knows how to make the deals work. He knows how to make the business flow. He isn't the schmuck played by Jack Lemmon. He isn't the schmuck played by Ed Harris or Alan Arkin. Uh, He's the winner. Richard Roma. So he uh, knows how to make deals happen. He knows how to keep business moving. He is going to get that Cadillac for having the most sales at the end of the week or whatever the the goal was. But uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross's Richard Roma, played by Al Pacino. If you haven't seen the movie, it's a must watch. I think it's like 95 minutes. goes by super fast. If you have ever been involved in sales or a sales role, uh, you'll definitely appreciate the movie. So give that a watch. Yes, a position where you definitely need someone who is uh, is familiar with um, familiar with business, uh, familiar with making some deals, negotiating, um, and has a good feel for uh, uh, labor negotiations. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I think this will this will be a good pick. I thought about going with Alec Baldwin from the movie, but uh, even though he is the speaker who's telling them, you know, giving that real famous speech at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, he, we never, he never touts his actual record. So I don't even know if he's an actual successful salesman or anything. He <laughs> might just be full of it. Um, so yeah, f- I did not pick him. Funny how like that is that speech is the top thing everyone remembers from the movie and Mm -hmm. that's the only time he makes an appearance in the movie yeah so all right i think i've got a couple of options here we'll go commerce and labor that'll round it out as 10 and we can stop watching this (laughs) this uh scrambled uh no i could go all the way (laughs) all right so like i said i want someone with uh, I want someone with some some good business savvy, um, and someone who has uh, good familiar right is going to be good at, at negotiations, good at cutting some deals, um, as well as uh, going to get some businesses up and running. And so I'm going to go with someone who uh, has run a, a, a run a large firm, also held a political position. Um, so he's he's got some some governance experience and some some organizing experience here, uh, so I'm gonna take Lando Calrissian for my oh. uh, my commerce pick here. That's a good that's a good pick, uh, Lando. Obviously a businessman first, mm-hmm. a general and smuggler second. Um, so totally get mm-hmm. that. And if you read. Uh, I haven't read a lot of stuff with him in the new canon, but you know, in the old expanded universe, he was doing after the war, he was back to business. He was making deals. He was, you know, doing stuff with mines and, you know, different mm-hmm. trade stuff. So he was always working for business. Uh, so I think yeah. Orlando, I think that's a really, really good pick. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they filled out in the new canon of his backstory. As mm-hmm. far as we know, he was just, 
hanging out on that desert party planet from Rise of Skywalker since Return of the Jedi. Yeah, right, happened. right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, especially in the old right, um, starts out uh, as uh, owning a big weapons firm, which in the Star Wars universe is probably a good investment decision. And then uh, works his way up to running Cloud City, which I can't imagine is an easy business venture being on the outer rim, dealing with territorial disputes between uh, the Republic, right? And then eventually mm -hmm. the Empire can't, cannot be an easy place to be operating a business. So I mm -hmm. like his, uh, I like his, his backstory there. So Lando Calrissian is my secretary of commerce. Nice. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and make your labor pick then? Sure, I can do that. Uh, so when it comes to labor, this one was a bit of a softball, but I don't think he can really go any other way. I'm going with Norma Ray from the titular Norma Ray, played by Sally Field. Great movie from the 70s. You know, single mother takes a job in a sort of factory setting, barely making enough money, uh, working long hours, uh, you know, over eight hours a day. And uh, she gets inspired by uh, some labor speakers and she starts a strike at her factory to make sure that everybody's getting the appropriate rate wages and the appropriate rights of a worker. Um, not as far left as your snowball pick, but uh, they might be having some lunches together, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. to discuss some things. Workers' rights, you know, is probably what Norma's focused on. But uh, Norma Ray would be a great secretary of labor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've really backed myself into a position here as i'm one of the last the last people to be defending the, the communist <laughs> platform but uh, you know what i guess i'm all in for for snowball here but yeah um uh, like you said a, a pick that um comes up makes a lot of sense here has the background right the worker background and then um uh based on uh, based on a true story so we know um we sort of know how that works mm -hmm. out and how that uh, uh, specifically um, led to sort of improvements of the, the union position mm -hmm. um, there in, uh, in North Carolina. So yeah, it's a good, good pick, good pick. All right. So I, uh, in, in thinking here uh, for a good pick for, uh, for the labor secretary, um, I was, I was thinking of sort of, there's a lot of movies where there's high profile people that take on like corporations, right? So, um, the first name that kind of popped into my head was Aaron Brockovich, but although good legal skills, right? Not specifically dealing with labor relations. And so, um, not, not quite in the same area. So I've decided to go overseas here. Um, so technically, right, we have had several foreign-born uh, members of the cabinet. It just means that you're not technically in line in the line of secession. You would be skipped over that because you have to be a, a natural-born U.S. citizen to serve as president, even as acting president. So this pick will not be in not line. A, not a concern for Snowball. <laughs> Okay, snowball uh I, is the farm an animal farm is it do they say where it is i feel like it's in england it probably is in england but well, i'm not sorry, sure they sorry the, the movie version looks like it's in england so i don't know yeah i don't think they specify though so theoretically it could be an american farm um but 
uh, <laughs> if, you know, maybe uh, either way, uh, by the time you get down to snowball or my next pick, um, I think that, uh, uh, you're going to have bigger issues on your hand than if you All have right, to who, skip who we, one cabinet position. <laughs> who do we got here? Who, who I, I am drafting from, from jolly old England, uh, another Batman connection here played by Mr. Christian Bale. I am drafting Jack Kelly, the newsie from Newsies. <laughs> all right. All right. I have not seen, I have not seen that Newsies. So, yeah, so right. Uh, Newsies is all about a group of uh, newspaper boys in London who are operating under, um, it might actually be, Oh no, I'm sorry. I was, um, is it in New York? The movie is in, is the original play in UK? I don't know. Uh, the movie is in New York because I just remembered the big song is uh, I'm the King of New York. So never mind. I've got an American in here. Yeah. So uh, a group of New York um, newspaper, newspaper boys uh, who are just operating under really bad conditions where they are overworked and underpaid. And they decide to fight back against the, um, uh, uh, the newspaper industry and how it's treating them and sort of take things into their own hands. And uh, Jack Kelly, played by Christian Bale, is one of the main, the main organizers of the labor movement within the, the Newsies community. So I'm going with uh, Jack Kelly and can also perk up the cabinet with some, a few good tunes when the time, the time arises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing like uh fighting the cause with 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 music with song so good pick no that's a good one to pull out your rear that's a good one that's a that's that's uh that's better than uh just going with some star wars character that can be sort of fit and shoehorned into a, a role so i like that that's good that's yeah. good um yeah jack jack kelly all right keep going or what <laughs> I can, I can see what I can come up with here. All right, you look. I I have my health and human services. All right, you though. go can, for you go for. Don't uh, forget to put it services. put it on the the board there. Your pick and the. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so for my director or secretary of health and human services, I'm going with a great film which has really peaked in popularity right at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm going with the film Contagion, which is a really dark and serious film about a, a pandemic uh you know similar to the mm-hmm. one that we're in now actually far more deadly obviously so i'm going with lawrence fishburne's character dr ellis cheever cheever was the director of the center for R- disease control of the cdc uh, in atlanta and he was integral in first understanding how deadly the disease in the movie was um and kind of combating that uh with um the full force of the government and the CDC. So uh, he did survive the movie. So he is alive. Um, so that's who I'm going with. Only seen the movie once, but I remember it being really good uh, or good, a, a real good film. And uh, I remember L- Lawrence Fishburne's character in there. And he was a more kind of director level person. Wasn't too mm. deep into the science. I think at, at a certain level, even for a certain department, you really just need more of a manager then you do somebody who actually knows like biologically what's happening at all the time. So he wasn't, he wasn't in like the science role that a couple of the other characters were. He was a little bit more about 
the more bureaucratic, the leader trying to figure out how to mitigate the panic and the spread in the real world, in the real U.S. So I'm going with Dr. Ellis Cheever from Contagion for my Secretary of Health and Human Services. Yeah, the, the CDC is a good natural uh, promotion point for thinking about um, thinking about someone to fill health and human services. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I think like you, I think I've, I've maybe seen the movie, uh, the movie once, you know, this, I think contagion is one, there's like a handful, right. Of like pandemic movies. And so I probably end up getting several of them kind of mixed up in my head. Yeah. I was also um, looking at outbreak that movie, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, so yeah, you know, a virus or a disease film uh, is a pop, not a popular, but it's a, it's a genre that pops back up in uh, film every once in a while. It'd be interesting to see when the next kind of disease film comes out at this point, you know, who really wants to write about one right now. So I don't know. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's the one um, set to come out. Uh, they just put the trailer out, the one that Michael Bay produced. That's literally a COVID thriller. Did you see that for no. so- Songbird? Yeah, so it's um, I, he didn't direct it, he did produce it, um, and it's uh, about uh, it is about uh, a world where COVID has mutated, and so there is when was they, it made? Uh, they have made it like literally during the during um, the past several months. So they've made it under COVID conditions, and it is um, so COVID's mutated. So they can't create a vaccine because of the mutation, and the mutation increases the uh, mortality rate so that fifty percent of people who get infected um, die. And so governments around the world have enacted like even ex- more extreme uh, lockdown procedures. And so you have to like scan yourself. And if you're at risk of infection and you leave your apartment or whatever, like there's like an arm SWAT team that kind of chases you down. Mm-hmm. Then it gets into uh, what is this on? Is this being released streaming or what? Uh, they just put the first trailer out Um the other day so i'm not sure what their plan is i assume they would like to get it into movies or into, into theaters but just depends on at what point it is is actually ready to come out okay i'm not wanting to just take the easy way out of here and go with like oh I, get, <laughs> I, I was trying to i i had this similar problem i was looking for doctors you mm-hmm. know and there just aren't that really there aren't a lot of doctors in movies, yeah. to be honest. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of doctors, but they're either the fact that they're a doctor is immaterial to correct what, what they're doing. They don't or, show anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just for this, just for the sake of time here, I'm gonna go with uh, gonna go with one of the op- first options that. Uh, I sort of came to when going down the down the list here. Uh, so I'm also going to turn to to the CDC. Um, now, uh, in the uh, in the film that I'm going to be pulling from, 
the, the doctor that I have found was not the director of the CDC. So you, you do have that going in your favor, but has uh, dealt with a, a very extreme, extreme situation and has shown herself willing to um, go after uh, maybe unconventional approaches to, to solving the problem and willing to go against the sort of mainstream orthodoxy when um, she knows that the, the institution is, is not doing the right thing. Um, I'll be very surprised if you can place this name <laughs> with the movie. I am taking uh, Dr. Allison Reed of the CDC, played by Julianne Moore, and so if I told you that she was alongside David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, would that ring a bell? Oh, in uh, Evolution. Yes. So uh, a member of the CDC who, um, uh, right, they're trying to uh, deal with this sort of extraterrestrial based life that crashes onto Earth and begins multiplying and mutating and causing lots of havoc. And David Duchovny's character, who is a college professor at this point, um, has sort of a solution to the problem, but um, he is a disgraced uh, sort of government scientist because when he tried to create a vaccine um, for, for anthrax, it ended up creating like horrible side effects uh, that people referred to as the Kane madness after Dr. Ira Kane. And so no one will, will kind of listen to his solution. Allison Reed eventually quits the CDC because she's so convinced that he has the right thing and that it's just basically institutional bias that is um, uh, going against him. So willing to shake up the status quo uh, if, hmm. she, if she sees the right opportunity um, and has a good kind of moral compass in that regard. So, uh, Dr. Allison Reed, uh, from the movie evolution. Uh, yeah, definitely deep cut here. Uh, when you think of Julianne Moore's greatest roles, you don't think about evolution. Uh, that is, uh, that is a movie I remember buying on DVD, like, a, uh, like a dumb 14 year old would, uh, and watching it quite often. <laughs> Uh, David Duchovny and Orlando Jones. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I was like, "Yep, that's that's evolution, all right." Yeah, uh, I think I I also uh, I also watched this one. I feel like it was one of those ones that was on TV a lot, right? Like, was this like a like yes. a one that showed uh, up on like TBS? Oh yeah, it was on yeah, or, or on Spike or something. Yeah, yeah, they were always showing it. Yep, yep. Good pick. All right. Well, moving on here to, is this housing and urban development? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to be picking, if you don't mind me going, Paul, we can kind of yeah, drop the, uh, the snake draft here. Yeah, go um, for it. But I'm going to be picking my worst movie so far. Uh, this is a tough pick, so I don't envy your research <laughs> that you're having to do right now. Um, <laughs> but have you heard of the, I believe it's 1993, bad comedy star starring Joe Pesci, The Super? Have you heard that movie before? I've not, no. You can probably figure out what the movie's about. Mm. So he is a really harsh and rude landlord. And he gets convicted of something, maybe in regards to him being a landlord. And his sentence is to have to live in one of his apartments. So he has to live in one of his buildings that he kind of treats his renters poorly at. And he begins to really understand what uh, low-income housing is and 
how hard it is. And he obviously has a turn of heart and understands that he needs to do better to give these people proper housing and they work to make his buildings better. And I think why he started out uh, as a antagonist to the people in his building, he has eventually turned into a protagonist for good public housing, private housing that isn't taking advantage of low income workers or low income people. So I think, Oh, let me pull up his name. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Christke, played by Joe Pesci. Uh, I caught this movie, maybe the first 30 minutes of it on Comedy Central about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Never finished it, but I looked up the synopsis. And so he was a, a landlord and he learned to uh, understand the, the tough plight of low income housing. And so while it was a box office failure, I think that he will be a box office success as the new secretary of housing and urban development. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with the movie, so I, I can't speak uh, specifically to um, the character, but based on your description, um, you know, I think it, uh, I think it makes sense. Yeah. All right. I've got, I've got a pick here for my, my HUD secretary. Uh, and I am, I am going to go here. Uh, I'm going to go with Al, Al Chervik, um, who is played by Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack. So, uh, wealthy real estate mogul. So he's, you know, he's probably getting on the cabinet because he's pulling a few connections, but, um, although he is wealthy, he's obviously kind of the driving force behind uh, uh, being willing to accept the more kind of common man into the country club and the movie Caddyshack and shaking up again the the kind of establishment. And so I don't think you you do not get a good feel of how he runs his real estate business. Um, but uh, based on his kind of easy portrayal in the movie, um, I'm, I'm willing to bet he's more of a, you know, more of a blue collar guy than someone who's going to be, uh, you know, your, your Donald Trump real estate kind of type. So going with Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack here. All right, man. They are, <laughs> your picks are getting, <laughs> they are getting, uh, eyebrow raising for sure. Uh, Al Zervik. Irvick. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if they say his full. I don't name. think so. I think he just shows up. <laughs> he just drives up his car. Uh, so that's that's interesting. Okay, well, good pick. Good. Well, I don't know though. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, who do we got? What's next? What's after next housing? is next is transportation. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. So I took a a look here while we were potting, trying to figure out, you know, transportation, what does that mean? It means a lot of things, but what can we really condense it down to trucking, right? What is the, the, the blood force of American commerce? It is our trucking industry. It moves our product across uh, great distances. So who's, who's a great trucker? Who do you want kind of understanding the truckers and the transportation industry while probably being able to do a lot of other things? Old Jack Burton, from Big Trouble in Little China, played by Kurt Russell. Uh, he's a trucker. You know, he's out there. He's he's on the CB. He's moving product. And he's also fighting, you know, 10,000-year-old 
Chinese warlords. So he might be in transportation, but should we get into an issue with old Chinese disposed warlords and creatures? You know, we'll call on old Jack Burton uh, to help us out. So I got Jack Burton as our transportation secretary. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, based on <laughs> based on Big Trouble in Little China, he's going to um, have very little plan, stumble through a meeting, right? Somehow maybe knock himself or someone else unconscious <laughs> at some point. And then at the end of the day, you're just going to look at the finished project, <laughs> whatever they're working on and be like, I don't. I don't know how it happened, but it it's, this is the greatest uh, <laughs> highway system that has ever been constructed. So that's what I got for transportation. All right. I've, I've got a thing I'm going to make for pure comedic purposes here. <laughs> As opposed to your last few picks. Okay. Go uh, for it. All right. So, you know, I, I like the Jack Burton like the Jack Burton pick for this one. So I think what I'm going to do is establish some dueling Kurt Russells here oh. at this pick. Uh, and you know, when we think of transportation, you can, you can get someone who is just good at maintaining the status quo, right? Getting out, uh, you know, getting trucks on the road, that's fine. But what about someone who can take us into the future of transportation? I'm talking trans-dimensional transportation here. Uh, I'm going to go with Colonel Jack O'Neill from oh. Stargate, right? He's going to be bringing this Stargate technology into the picture. So it's one thing to get trucks moving on the road, but what if we could just teleport that truck across the United States, just take the road out of the picture? So Okay, Colonel, okay. So Colonel Jack O'Neill. Okay, so you are you are hoping that uh, Jack O'Neill is going to somehow duplicate the Stargate, which is an ancient Egyptian tool, and uh, find a way to implement it across the nation, so we can just transport. I, if, if he can make it happen, I, I think I think you got yourself another four years just off of that. Yeah. Well, so uh, you'd hope so. People are like <laughs> people are like I hate the Stargate. It's killing jobs. <laughs> Right, you know all those road construction workers you know uh interesting i thought you when you said dueling i thought you were going to go with uh sliced alone with over the top uh yeah i uh, yeah i did i did consider that we could have had a little tango and cash oh yeah <laughs> yeah a little tango that. and cash connection there okay. but i know okay. I, I meant literally another kurt russell another kurt russell okay nice all right what's next energy is energy next. all right I, i've done all my research so i'm i'm good here um i'm going with a, a, a little known film that i watched years ago on cable it is called chain reaction have you ever seen it i don't think i have so it stars keanu reeves i think rachel weiss and it's got mm -hmm. morgan freeman and a couple other character actors in it but it's about this group of scientists and keanu reeves plays eddie Kaslovich. He plays a scientist and they discover how to convert hydrogen into, you know, or how to convert hydrogen from water into a clean energy source. And they're able to do this 
and essentially solve all of the world's energy's problems. Now, the movie centers on uh, people find out about this and, you know, they don't want to throw the entire energy industry into flux. So they try to kill their research and, you know, assassinate them. But uh, essentially, Keanu's character, Eddie Kaslovich, is a somebody at the forefront of energy research. So I think he would be a great energy secretary. Mm-hmm. Eddie Kaslovich. I have not seen the movie, but I have um, listened to the episode of Can't Get Enough of Keanu about this movie. So the podcast, I've mentioned it before, right? They go through the filmography of Keanu Mm -hmm. Reeves and they have gotten to Chain Reaction. So I've I've listened to people describe describe this. So yeah, um, obviously a, a scientist who's working directly in... Um, in the kind of field that we're, we're talking about here. So I think yeah. that makes, makes sense. All right. Um, have you been able to, uh, to do anything? Right. I, I thought for this spot, right earlier, I, I kind of disparaged uh, Tony Stark's pick for, um, to par- uh, for defense. He makes a little more sense here, I think, for energy being that he created sort of a renewable energy source for the Iron Man suit and um, was was transitioning Stark Industries that way. My worry is that he's going to be a little uninterested in the day-to-day activities of that the Department of Energy, right? So um, I, I looked then at a couple of other options. And I'm, I'm going to go with uh, someone who's actually the villain in their movie, but also dealing with renewable energies. And I think the circumstances of how he became a villain are uh, unlikely to be replicated at the Department of Energy, right? So I am going to go with Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Yep. Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2, Again, looking at a powerful renewable energy source, coming up with the science behind it, ends up um, becoming obsessed with Spider-Man only because the controlling chip for those arms in his back gets knocked out in the experiment. Um, And so that leads him to have some, uh, uh, just some uh, interference mentally, right? That sort of pushes him into this aggressive state that you see in the first half of the movie is not really true to his nature. And um, although he is, uh, uh, he commits, right? Once he enters that sort of villainous state because of the chip, he does commit a few acts. He's not like a lot of other supervillains. He's not going out and just murdering people, right? He's robbing a bank. Um, he does eventually put Mary Jane in danger once he becomes really obsessed with Spider-Man. And of course, the city in danger because he kind of messes up his experiment at the end. But I think if you take especially the pre-arm, Otto Octavius has a really good knowledge of energy, of the science of energy, um, has worked in the research system. So he's worked, you know, you got to pull a lot of, got to be able to shake hands to get government grants and things like that. So I think he's got those skills. And so long as nobody puts some mechanical arms on his back and uh, break the inhibitor chip that is oddly like external and just placed right on the outside of those arms, that just seems like bad product design. But as long as that doesn't happen, I think he will be a solid pick. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Doc Ock uh, pre, you know, experiment is a 
great science character, uh, very warm, very into the scientific method. Uh, it's unfortunate that he turned bad there with the experiment. So, but I can definitely see tapping into his character pre that experiment would be a great pick for secretary of energy. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a good pick. All right. All right. Last two. We're, we're mm -hmm. here. Well, we might as well finish it up here. So we have education up next. So for this one, uh, you know, I noticed that, uh, that uh, this probably needs to be a teacher. Uh, so again, a decent amount of teacher roles in film, but I'm going to go with another classic here. Sidney Poitier in To Serve With Love as Mark Thackeray. Now, if you haven't seen To Serve With Love, it is a a quieter film. There you go, Mark Thackeray. But he is an American engineer and he's having a hard time finding a work in London. So he takes on a job as a substitute teacher for high schoolers and he really connects with the kids. So he's an educated guy. He's been in the teaching field. And I think any City Poitier role really should be in this cabinet. So mm. putting him in education would definitely be a, a good move. So Mark Thackeray from To Serve With Love. Absolutely. Yeah. Solid, solid pick. Um, I think you're right in um, uh, really needing a teacher in the role, right? So um, obviously at, at this moment, we've got uh, uh, Betsy DeVos in the, in the role and you could just tell, right, even coming in, she has, you know, a, a mix of policy positions, some of which I, I probably agree with, but even when she's talking about the kind of things that I would be inclined to agree with her on. Um, it, it's just like, all right, you don't have an understanding of how this actually functions right. within, like right. a, within a school. And that means that you're a poor advocate, even for this, the stuff that I like. And then, right. Um, right. Obviously yeah. has other positions uh, that I, I don't care for there. So um, you do, you definitely need someone who has, has been a teacher and has been, in the in that institution so yeah yeah i was gonna pick a uh, jaime escalante from stand and deliver uh however played by james edwards almost or mm -hmm. edward james edward almost edward james almost edward james almost edward james which almost. i already have as a uh, bill adama so uh couldn't double up so but uh you can't argue with Sidney portier so I'll, uh, I'll take him any mm -hmm. day of the week you said you got to think teacher first. And so it's a little easier to start narrowing it down offhand. I got to say there's, there's a, there's an easy one. It's, 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 there's a, an easy pick here if you can't find anything, but uh, it was just a little too easy for me. Well, to be honest, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't gravitate to that type of teacher. If you know who I'm talking about. I think so. I know who you're talking about. Cause I was just going to say, um, Right. Would this be a, uh, oh, oh, captain, my captain here that you're oh, thinking of? Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Yes. So, right. I think my hot take is that I don't think he's actually a good teacher. Hmm. Uh, I think um, uh, all of his teaching techniques are really about, you know, in the classroom, in the moment, like getting a, a feeling but I, I don't know how anything that he's doing is actually going to, to lead to sort of greater knowledge of literature. Like, I, I guess the argument is he's getting them interested in literature. So they'll sort of passionate about it their own. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't think that translates into actual like, right. Um, 
Yeah, like I think it's it's sort of anti-establishment and that he's going against the school, yeah. but um, and you know sometimes you can swing a little too far in the yep. anti-establishment direction. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I I thought of that, and then um, I'm just I'm just not a fan, so I don't want to uh, I don't want to take that. You know, I tend to gravitate towards the the comic book side of things. So I, I'd already thought of this character. There's other teachers, right. That I, uh, are good individually. So like, you know, Mr. Mi- like Mr. Miyagi comes up on a lot of lists. Ha- uh, Holland, Richard Dreyfus from Mr. Holland's opus, um, mm-hmm. comes up well-known teachers, but, uh, they are not involved in sort of upper level administration. So they're not mm-hmm. looking at the big, right. They're, they're not looking at the bigger mm-hmm. picture. And so I'm going to go here with professor Charles Xavier. Oh, that's pretty my good. Secretary. So um, obviously in founding his own school, um, a school that's, that's not just your average school, but dealing with um, uh, unusual circumstances and trying to get uh, uh, mutant children um, educated in control of their own powers and deal with the fact that they're sort of rejected by society and, and, you know, fighting for equality at the same time he's operating a school. So he's got involved in the big sort of endeavors and things like that, but also the day-to-day operation of the entire school. And he does some one-on-one teaching as well. So I think he's got all kind of sides of it. Um, so I'm going to go with professor X here. Wow, really good pick. Yep. Nope. Didn't consider Professor X. I think that is a home run hire. Uh, not just like you said in education, but uh, also trying to fight for mutant rights and, and rights in general. So an all around great guy. You can't go wrong with a bald guy. You really can't. Right. They're kind. Right. They're kind of the tops. So uh, good pick. Good pick. Uh, and I misspoke earlier. Now we have two left. I didn't That's know right. you didn't. You didn't have Homeland Security on the bottom here. Then it's not, only been yeah. around for only been around for twenty years. So. Uh, yeah. So first though, we have a uh, department of veteran affairs. So I got somebody lined up here. I'm going with Ron Kovic from born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise. When you talk about a story about a veteran, no story is more powerful than born on the 4th of July, Oliver Stone film. Uh, Tom Cruise, of course, plays a paralyzed Vietnam vet veteran i'm sorry a paralyzed vietnam veteran who comes back to america and obviously has a tough time transitioning as a lot of veterans do Uh, so the movie is really about him going through that transition not just being paralyzed but being a veteran and especially being a veteran you know in a country that uh, is having a hard time digest the war like uh like like most wars so powerful movie um the one one of the critiques i've heard about it though has been that it has a very optimistic uh ending to it you know he's it's years later he's about to be like a public speaker at like a big event and everything's all great and i've heard some people say that you know uh, ptsd especially among veterans uh sometimes that is putting too much of a nice bow on the story and that uh, there's a lot of hard work to do with ptsd and uh, helping veterans and we shouldn't just have it have a nice 
you know, stinger on the end there where everything's all nice and good. And Hey, he got over being, you know, a veteran and dealing with the whole war thing. It's like, it's something that maybe, you know, you don't get over. So that critique alone though, uh, notwithstanding, uh, it's a really good film, uh, great acting job by Tom Cruise, but Ron Kovic is the character name. And I think a veteran, especially a wounded veteran, uh, is probably the best pick you could do for somebody heading up the department of veteran affairs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, I actually have this is a, a movie I haven't seen. Oh, so, it's a yeah. it's a must watch just to get it catalog in your films <clears throat> that you mm-hmm. see. You know, uh, it's it's very Oliver Stony, so you know it's it's kind of uh, it's a bit on the nose at times, but uh, powerful nonetheless. So um, definitely a a must watch for uh, war films, especially Vietnam war films. It's it's pretty much in there with all the other ones. Yeah, I think that um, sounds like a solid pick um, from what, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the movie. Like I said, I haven't seen it, but based on um, based on what I know, I think that makes uh, makes sense. Like you say, right, we have to, um, I think you have to go with a veteran. Like they have to at least have some military service. <laughs> the, the first one that... Uh, that comes to mind here is uh, uh, would actually be a very poor pick. <laughs> but the first one that came to my mind was uh, putting John Rambo <laughs> into the position. Um, obviously, uh, war veteran dealing with many of these issues, but not in a healthy way. Head on first with, movie. With, ex- with explosive tipped arrows. <laughs> I actually considered John Rambo for my secretary of the interior, if you believe it or not, because he was able to go out into the jungle and uh, evade those sheriff deputies. Uh, so he was my backup pick for secretary of the interior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I am going to go for my VA position with Steve Rogers himself. Um, so Captain America, right, obviously has the war experience, um, but from his, uh, his, his World War II time, um, dealing with it not even so much on the battlefield, although he gets the battlefield experience eventually, but um, dealing with the um, uh, sort of veterans care side of things, right? So he's basically um, per- performing to keep morale up and, and help the troops out. Um, and so although he does want to get on the battlefield, he has a history in working with, um, working on the, the sort of organizational side of things as well. And obviously um, would be a beloved figure for uh, any member of the military. And um, because of his uh, uh, general kind of popularity. I imagine he would also be a pretty strong advocate for, you know, glad handing, shaking a few hands in Congress and um, finally getting some legislation to fix the absolutely abysmal VA hospital system that we have in this country or, or something like that. So I'm going with Steve Rogers. Yeah, um, good pick. Uh, you're right. A little disappointed that you went three comic book characters in a row. 
but uh, nevertheless, Steve Rogers, if you're going to pick a comic book character to head up the VA, that's got to be the pick. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine yeah. you go with anybody, else, especially his experience, his lengthy experience with distance, with with long ago wars. So uh, good pick there with the Steve Rogers. And you're right, not a bad looking face to put on a campaign Right, photo either right. so um i'm sure a lot of those uh people in congress would want to be brushing elbows with him in veterans affairs i mean i could have gone with lieutenant dan from forest Ooh, that's uh, a winner man i'm a little <laughs> upset i didn't pick you lieutenant dan that's a you good know, point little little worried about the press he might make in the <laughs> off the job capacity that's true that's true but uh all right, yeah. Lieutenant Dan, good pick. Not your pick, but that was a good one. All right, last one. Let's finish it up. Um, Department of Homeland Security. All right, I'm ready to I'm ready to log off, Paul. So this is probably my worst pick. But uh, <laughs> uh, what does Homeland Security really mean? It just means security, feeling safe, right? Keeping things where we are, locked down and secure. So I'm going with. Uh, ben Stiller's Larry Daly from Night at the Museum, the security guard. And I don't think really what is Homeland Security? It's a it's a security guard for the U.S. It's making sure, you know, everything in here is good and nobody's getting in when they shouldn't be getting in. And that's really what Larry Davy, sorry, Larry Daly did as uh, Ben Stiller's character in Night at the Museum. So that's who I'm picking. Yeah, you're right. Definitely got the security background here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know, if you consider all of the um, all of the fictional characters who come to life in the museum, um, uh, you know, he's he's keeping track of stuff. Especially you get to Night of the Museum too. He's um, it's a lot to deal with, man. Yeah, There's it a is a lot of characters, so. a lot of human characters, and you know, <laughs> dinosaurs and right. stuff like that, animals. So uh, it's a tough job, and I think the skill set he has by guarding his museum and then going to the Smithsonian and doing that museum is, uh, is something that can transfer very transferable to the department of Homeland security. So I think Dave is going to feel real confident having uh, Larry Daly as a uh, number, what 19 in the line of succession, something like that. So not a problem. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> as you said earlier, um, you know, listed in order of creation, but not necessarily of order and importance. So while uh, President, um, um, you know, while I'm over here in the um, uh, in the hearings with President Beck having trouble getting snowball through the office or uh, juror number eight, I think uh, when um, when you nominate a, uh, a museum head security guard, <laughs> <laughs> go by. I mean, it's number number 19 in line of succession. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So get him in. Get him approved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's um uh you know, I, I like it just because I'm I'm a fan of those movies. That's a good one. So they're fun. The first one's great. The first one's yes. great. I am uh I was so hoping you'd go with Paul Blart. I thought about it. <laughs> Dueling security, dueling security guards. guards yeah yeah so i i immediately write for dhs um dhs obviously created to join together the various spy apparatuses in the united states after 9-11 in an attempt to uh coalesce those lines of communication 
um, and sort of get things going in an, um, an effort that was uh, very unsuccessful, but um, you know, made an made an attempt at it. And um, so I think for this one, I immediately started thinking people who had headed up uh, various intelligence agencies and movies and things like that. Um, so uh, I just zeroed in on what would be my favorite spy franchise, which would be the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, now I don't want to take Ethan Hunt out of the field, and I don't think he would be very happy with being in this high-level position. Um, and they cycle through IMF leaders a lot in the movies, but I'm going to go with um, the one who um, uh, got several movies in and got a lot of play. I am taking um, uh, double, I'm going to double up my Alec Baldwins here since I, I Jack Ooh. Ryan, Alec Baldwin. Ooh. I'm going Alan Hunley, who was the IMF right. leader. Yeah. Several of the recent Mission Impossible movies. Right. Um, is he sometimes a, a bit of an antagonist uh no? he yeah he's he's sort of um uh i'm trying to think in one of the movies you know uh, in the various times that ethan hunt goes rogue he i think in the alec baldwin's first appearance he is is not very trusting but from that point right. on especially by the time you get to fall out yeah um he is just like look i know ethan is not a bad guy and so i'm gonna I, I he immediately switches into let's back up ethan and the team um mm -hmm. uh, and gets okay. a little field action and fallout um which ends unfortunately for him but uh yeah i'm taking alan hunley imf director for dhs here all right no good pick good pick much more traditional pick to the role versus my security guard but mm -hmm. uh you know america is about you know starting out from the bottom and rising to the top. And I think uh, given the opportunity, Larry Daly will prove just an effective secretary of Homeland security. So. All right. So that, uh, that wraps up our entire, uh, our entire cabinets here. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and take it away then? Uh, okay. Starting off at the bottom here for the Department of Homeland Security, I have from Nine at the Museum, Larry Daly, Ben Stiller's character. Then for the Department of Veteran Affairs, I have from Born on the Fourth of July, Tom Cruise's Ron Kovic. Uh, for Secretary of Education, I have Sidney Poitier from To Serve with Love's character, Mark Thatchery. Then for Department of Energy, I have Keanu Reeves in Chain Reaction as Eddie Kaslovich. For Secretary of Transportation from Big Trouble in Little China, I have Kurt Russell's Jack Burton. For Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, I have from the very bad movie Super, Joe Pesci's Louis Krisky, a landlord with a heart of gold. Secretary of Health and Human Services, I have from Contagion, Dr. Ellis Cheever, played by Lawrence Fishburne. For Secretary of Labor, I have the famous Norma Ray played by Sally Field. For Secretary of Commerce from Glengarry Glen Ross, I have Al Pacino's Richard Roma. For Secretary of Agriculture, I have Kevin Costner's Ray Kinsella from Field of Dreams. For Secretary of the Interior to protect our nation's natural resources, I have the Lorax from Dr. Seuss. As Attorney General, I have the seasoned litigator Vinny Gambini from my cousin Vinny, Joe Pesci. 
For Secretary of Defense, leading our military, I have Admiral Bill Adama from Battlestar Galactica. For Secretary of the Treasury, I have George Bailey from Bailey Building and Loan, Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. As Secretary of State, I have Princess Leia, General Leia, and Senator Leia, a well-accomplished diplomat and stateswoman to lead the State Department. And then as Vice President, I have Sam Wise Gamgee, who will be an excellent right-hand man to our President, Dave slash Bill Mitchell from the movie Dave. All right, and I will also start at the bottom here. So for Homeland Security, I have IMF leader Alan Hunley. Uh, for Veterans Affairs, Captain America himself, Steve Rogers. For the Department of Education, I have Professor Charles Xavier. For the Department of Energy, I have Otto Octavius. Um, then for uh, Transportation, I have got Jack O'Neill bringing that Stargate technology to the United States. For uh, Housing and Urban Development, Al Cervik from the movie Caddyshack, played by Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, Health and Human Services, Dr. Allison Reed, uh, a CDC worker from the movie uh, Evolution. Um, for Labor, I have Jack Kelly from Newsies. Uh, for the Department of Commerce, Lando Calrissian. Uh, for the Department of Agriculture, in a controversial pick, we have we have appointed Snowball the Pig. For the Department, <laughs> for the Department of Interior, I have Mayor Goldie Wilson from Back to the Future. Attorney General, I have Juror Number Eight. For the Department of Defense, I have Jack Ryan, specifically the Alec Baldwin Jack Ryan from The Hunt for Red October. Treasury, Billy Ray Valentine from Trading Places. Secretary of State is Indy himself, Indiana Jones. My Vice President is Bruce Wayne, and my President is Tom Beck from Deep Impact. All right, so that wraps us up for the evening. Um, remember, you can find all of our social media accounts if you go to anchor.fm slash what's on draft. They will also be linked to the show notes for this episode. If you head to our Twitter or Facebook page, you can elect one of these cabinets. So vote for which of these two cabinets you feel like should uh, uh, would 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 do better at steering the United States. And if you could also help us out with a five star review, um, if you could, uh, uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, right, if you've got an iPhone, it's simple, you just click the purple podcast app, five star it on um, iTunes. And that is extremely helpful for us getting the podcast out there. The other thing you can do is share it with your friends. So Cameron, any any parting thoughts tonight? Uh Make sure you go vote also. Uh, you know, if you're going to wait in a long line, this would be a great podcast mm -hmm. to listen to while you're waiting in line. So go vote if you haven't already. Also, vote on this podcast. I'm sorry, go vote. Go vote. <laughs> I should have been more specific. Go vote <laughs> in your actual election uh, while you're also voting for, you know, who won on tonight's pod. But go vote for real also. Get, get ready for that corn husker conundrum. Oh boy, go big blue? Uh, I don't know.
Pokemon go to the polls. 